Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 5, verses 1 through 9, called Blessed Are. Eighteen sixteen of Luke, Jesus called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me, Luke eighteen sixteen. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are really the same thing, belongs to such as these. Luke eighteen seventeen. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. So whatever poverty of spirit means, back to Matthew chapter 5, it is paralleled with the attitude of a child. What is the attitude of a little child? We could say innocence. We could say, you know, there's not a lot of baggage there. They, they simply came to Jesus gleefully just as they were. And that's how we have to come to our Lord. We have to come just as we are with a real assessment of ourselves. And I'm not saying that a real assessment of yourself should be to bag on yourself all the time. Because that's not how God sees you. You've been made in God's image. God loved you so much, he sent his only son to save us. Amen. That's the value that he places on you. But I'm talking about spiritually, we have to recognize our need for God. Our need for the touch of the Savior. We have to have a proper assessment of ourselves. The New English Bible puts it this way. The first beatitude, how blessed are those who know their need of God. Simply put, that's poor in spirit. You know your need of God. It's not about false humility. It's not about going around saying, I'm not worth anything. I can't do anything. It's just simply about honesty about oneself. God will honor that. D.A. Carson puts it this way. You are poor in spirit if you know there is nothing in you, not family ties, respect in the community, occupation, or so-called good works or personal holiness that is valuable enough to commend you to God. It is to see yourself as one really is, lost, hopeless, helpless, apart from Jesus Christ. Every person is spiritually destitute no matter what is education, wealth, social status, accomplishments, or religious knowledge. We come to the door of the kingdom as a beggar. The king of glory and grace opens it up to us, to all who are humble and all who will look upon him. And here's the problem. Just about every time in the crowd were a bunch of religious leaders who believed that their pedigree, their tie to Abraham, their religious fasting twice a week or giving of tithes, their power, their privilege, commended them to God. And Jesus is going to say, nope. God can use these stones to raise up children for Abraham. And John the Baptist put it this way, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. If you say that you're coming to me for baptism, then I want to see commensurate or uh, behavior that uh, is in keeping with that. Isaiah 57, 15 says it this way, thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell on a high and holy place. And also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Isaiah 66, 2 puts it this way. My hand made all these things, says God. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit 
and who trembles at my word. That's who God says he would, he would look to. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Psalm 51, 17, after David's sin with Bathsheba. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. According to Jesus, the promise uh, is, uh, the principle is poor in spirit. The promise is to you belongs the kingdom of heaven. And that's not just a future promise. That is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. And whenever anybody sees their spiritual poverty and goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, you become spiritually wealthy in Christ. Amen? Because in Christ, you become a co-heir with all that is in the kingdom. You are co-heirs with Christ. And you go from poverty to spiritual riches. I'm not talking about always material stuff. I'm talking about spiritually. Everything that Christ has, you are a co-inheritor with Christ right now. You're going to see some, some a principle here that we need to understand. The kingdom is already, and the kingdom is also not yet. The kingdom of God is here. We are part of the kingdom. This is an expression of the kingdom of God right now. Amen? You are part of the kingdom now. How? If you're a believer, you've trusted in Christ. You've trusted in the king. The door has been opened to you. You're part of the kingdom. What are you waiting for? What am I waiting for? To realize the full consummation of the kingdom. To see new heavens and a new earth. To see the, the, the righteousness of God finally prevail all over the landscape. We don't have that yet. It's already and it's not yet. To you is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. One writer puts it this way. The advantages of being God's people is that they can expect to accrue, that people can then be expected to accrue already in this life, even though the full consummation of their blessedness remains in the future. The advantages are now, but they shall also be then. Look at verse four. Second one. Blessed are those who mourn, the word mourn is just like we would think it. it. It means sorrow. It could speak of strong or severe sorrow. When one mourns, it is certainly an expression of a broken spirit. In Genesis 23, 2, when Sarah died at Kerioth Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan, Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. When we lose a loved one, when we lose a spouse like we have here. Uh, I know some of you sitting in this room, you have lost someone and, and it's for some of you have been very recent. And what, what is the natural response to a broken world, a world where every day, you know, if we looked hard enough, we'd find things to mourn over. I'm not saying that should be our mindset, but this broken world certainly does make us mourn, doesn't it? I've often told families, you know, as a believer, we grieve, but we grieve with hope. We mourn with hope. We can have hopeful mourning because we know the promise, which we'll get to in a moment. How can we be blessed when we're mourning? Well, here's another principle and promise. We are blessed that when we mourn, we will be comforted. We can anticipate that mourning opens the way, says Spurgeon, to God's comfort it anticipates what Simeon called divine consolation or what he was looking for, to be consoled by God, to, to mourn in the reality that there is a future reunion coming when all things were, will be made new. In Revelation, it says, in the new heavens and new earth, there will be no more mourning. 
No more crying, no more pain. The former things will have passed away. In Isaiah 61, Jesus quoting this in Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Psalm 3011 puts it this way. You've turned my mourning into dancing. Amen. That's what believers can look forward to. Even in moments of grief, we always have an eye on the promise. We always have an eye on the fact that we serve the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we can comfort others with the comfort with which we've been comforted by God. I want you to hear it. He's called the God of all comfort, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. That is our God. We live in a broken world, but our God came in to be our comforter. He sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter, to be our helper, to always remind us that our future is secure. We've already won. Amen? Despite what goes on, no other worldview can say that. But you can say that on the authority of Christ. The principle, blessed are those who mourn. The promise, you shall be comforted. Look at verse 5, Matthew 5. Blessed are the gentle third, one of the seven. Blessed are the meek, if you have an NIV, New King James, for they shall inherit the earth. The word gentle is translated meek and You probably have heard this before, that meekness is not weakness. In fact, the word for meek is a Greek word that means it points to a powerful horse that's been tamed, that has power that's been brought under control. There was a story about a championship boxer. His name escapes me. He was on the back of a bus, and some teenagers came up to him. Two or three of them were like, hey, and they started making fun of him and talking about his mama, which is never a good thing to do. And they didn't know he was a championship boxer. He could have laid all three of them out on the bus, but he didn't. Power under control. But when he walked off the bus, he handed them his business card. This is so-and-so championship boxer. And they're all probably like, thank you, thank you. Jesus was the ultimate expression of meekness. I am lowly and gentle in heart, and in me you will find rest for your souls. Though he was full of the power of God, He controlled that power. Meekness or gentleness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5.23, if you're taking notes, gentleness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit and so is self-control, which is the end of the fruits of the Spirit list. So when we are filled with the characteristics of the kingdom, we will be gentle. We will be meek. We won't be throwing our weight around. We won't be pushing Uh, uh, our agenda, if you will. Blessed are the gentle. An overseer is called to be gentle, 1 Timothy 3.3, and uncontentious. Peter talks about wives, and he says, of wives, let the hidden person of your heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. This is precious in the sight of God, 1 Peter 3.4. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath or anger but a harsh word stirs up anger. 
the blessed promise that we will inherit the earth. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. So, when we are filled with the characteristics of the kingdom, we will be gentle. We will be meek. We won't be throwing our weight around. We won't be pushing uh, uh, our agenda, if you will. Blessed are the gentle. An overseer is called to be gentle, 1 Timothy 3.3, and uncontentious. Peter talks about wives, and he says, Of wives, let the hidden person of your heart, with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, this is precious in the sight of God, 1 Peter 3.4. Proverbs 15, 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath or anger, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The blessed promise that we will inherit the earth. If you are the meek, we will inherit the earth. This is based upon Psalm 37, verse 9. Evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord will inherit the land. Psalm 37, 11 says, The humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. Psalm 37, 29 says, The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. Do you know something? The Bible teaches that what we're going to inherit after the resurrection is a new earth. We are going to live on a physical earth in new resurrected bodies. The idea of an ethereal existence forever where we float on clouds and are just in some sort of spirit form is not what the Bible teaches. We are going to be very physical. In fact, you are going to be you in the resurrection. Amen? A glorified version of you, hopefully around the age of 18 to 25, would work for me. You're going to see grandma and grandpa in their prime. And are you going to know it's them? I think you'll know. I think they're going to have those, those name tags uh, in the new earth. Hello, my name is. Now you'll know each other. We'll know even as we are known. It's going to be very physical. You're asking, since today's a day of football, will there be football on the new earth? Will there be golf? I don't know. Will Brock Purdy still be the uh, Niners quarterback? He is a believer. I heard his testimony. That's pretty cool. Amen. But I don't know if God's really involved in sports. Because you may be praying for Jalen Hurts or Burrow or Mahomes. Uh, That has nothing really to do with the sermon. I just wanted you to know (laughs) that the new earth is going to be physical, but no more pain, no more sorrow, no more disease, no more death. And we will sit at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. 
Praise the Lord. And he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. We will inherit all the promises of God, new heavens and a new earth, wherein righteousness dwells. Blessed. Look at the next one, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, when we meet the king and we have a kingdom attitude, we begin to hunger for different things. What does the world hunger for? What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? What are we going to drink? What are we going to eat? And it just replays. What are we going to wear? What is she wearing? What are they going to wear? What do you mean? What do they drive? What do you think? What do you do? What do you mean? Do you see the smoke coming out of that tailpipe of that car? You know, what's their bank account? What's the latest of the rich and famous? Uh, or now it's this. Uh. What do you hunger for? Jesus said, my food, John four thirty four, is to do the will of the one who sent me. When you start hungering and thirsting for righteousness, you are seeing that you're becoming more like the king. In fact, Psalm 42, 1 and 2 puts it this way, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? You see, when you hunger and thirst for what is right, here's the idea of the principle. When you want to see God's will happen on the earth, when you want to see what's right and true happen in your own heart, but also happen among your nation, amen? That's why we hurt for what we see going on right now, because we know it's not right. It's not that we have an agenda against anybody who has a different view than us. We just know it's not right. And when it's not right, it's not good. You begin to hunger and thirst for the things of God, for the priorities of the king and the kingdom. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 5, 20. If you look down for a moment, I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. What's Jesus saying there? I think he's saying simply this, that their righteousness is about the outward. What they care about is that they fast twice a week to religiously impress people, that they give of their tithes of mint and cumin, that they have power and authority and they get uh, respectful greetings in the marketplace and all of that stuff. And, and Jesus is like, no, that's not it. It's not about the world and it's not about religious boxes that you check. It's about wanting to be right with God. And have that rightness spread over a family, over a community, over a a land, over a nation. Amen? If that's your heart, then you've come to know the king. And you're getting to know the values of the kingdom. He has shown you, oh man, what is good. What the Lord requires of you. He wants justice. He wants mercy. He wants what's right to occur in this land. And of course, Jesus entered into our broken world to bring the promise to us because he knows that we would fall short of it. The blessed promise. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, would you look at it? You will be satisfied. God will satisfy you. One day we will be in a kingdom according to his promise. Second Peter 3, 14 or 13 According to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We will be satisfied. But right now, since the kingdom is already and not yet, you can still be satisfied. Because when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, God will fill you. The the word here actually means to be stuffed. 
How many of you have made commitments at the turn of the year? All right, no, I'm not going to eat the extra taco anymore. In Jesus' name, right? And then you sit before it, and you got a little room left, and you eat the taco, and you're stuffed. Then Thanksgiving is around the corner. If you're like me, I begin to make declarations. All right, this year it will be different. I'm not going to eat the extra mashed potatoes and the extra piece of pumpkin pie. But, uh... I always have room for sweets. Anybody else out there? It doesn't matter how stuffed I am. Sweets will fit in to Pastor Michael's inner parts. (laughs) Anyway. I'm not talking about stuffed with regret here. Like, oh. Stuff means you'll be satisfied. You know, when it's just the perfect amount, when it's just the perfect day, the perfect sunset, the perfect moment, and you just like to capture it if you can and just hold on to it and bottle it, that's going to be forever. We will be satisfied. Praise God. Look at the next one. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This is not a complicated one. If you're part of the kingdom, you could say that the first four were kingdom attitudes. The last three are going to be kingdom action, but they're also attitudes. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll receive mercy. The word merciful means to be charitable. It is a generous attitude, which is willing to see things from another's point of view. Please hear this. And not be quick to take offense or gloat over other people's shortcomings. Are you a merciful person? You've been listening to Blessed Are Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. you got to check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with the final word. Well, what is a merciful person? We are called to show mercy. What does that mean? Well, it means that we could give someone what they deserve, but instead we give them what they don't deserve. (laughs) And, you know, when you respond with mercy instead of um, justice, as it were, on a personal level, it, it can make a powerful impact when you don't repay evil for evil, insult for insult. Now, Now, on a different level... You may be thinking about the war going on in Israel, what Hamas has done. Um, what, what about justice there? And there's a place for justice to be carried out, first and foremost by God, in Romans 13, by government. And you know, as it trickles down, you can think of military and you can think of police. But on a personal level, we're called to mercy. And that could be one of the more challenging things that we're called to, frankly, Because inside of us, the temptation would be to repay evil for evil, insult for insult. But we're called to something different, something higher. 
Now, you may be asking, well, does mercy mean that you never correct anybody? No. We speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. We approach a sinning brother or sister in humility, but yet we still approach. It's not wrong to say something, and, and it doesn't mean you're not merciful if you speak the truth in love, but how you do it and why you do it makes all the difference. And so that is the key to operating in mercy. I hope that helps with that question. This is Pastor Michael Lance. You're listening to Walk in Truth. Hey, we have a website that you can check out. It's called walkintruth.com, walkintruth.com. If you're new to us and you're wondering where where are we located, well, I happen to pastor an incredible church in the Inland Empire called Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And I will tell you that this amazing congregation uh, contributes a lot to keep us on the air. And we'd love for you to partner with us as well, because we want to expand into more radio markets. In fact, we have three different opportunities right before us right now. And if you would commit to partnering with us, that would make it easier for us to walk through the open doors. Keep us in prayer, please. We, We deeply desire and covet your prayers. But if you want to know more about how to partner or pray for us or more specifics about the ministry, it's all available at walkintruth.com. This is Pastor Michael Lance, and we're going to be back for more of the Beatitudes. Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 5, verses 1 through 9, called Blessed Are. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.